This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. And on today's episode, I have Michael from Glucose Game Mike as my guest. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. We have lots of laughs, lots of truth bombs, and it was a really great conversation. I truly enjoyed having Mike on. Thank you, Mike, for your time, your energy, and your perspective. It was an awesome conversation. We talk about everything from misconceptions to mental health, especially for men in the diabetic space, especially for black men in the diabetic space. And I think that there's some beautiful thoughts from Mike that gives us all a little something to chew on when it comes to our mental health and how we move forward in taking care of ourselves amongst this diagnosis. So here it is, me and Glucose Gang Mike. I hope you enjoy. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Daniel, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. Hi, Mike. Hey, Tim. How are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> great. Great. I'm in a really good mood now. Yeah. Good. So how are you? My, my great grandmother, she used to always ask how you're doing in a very unique way. She said, Taylor, you yet holding on? And your response should be, I'm yet holding on. So I'm yet holding on. We'll go with that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like that. You know, it's 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 one of my favorites. Or or my dad likes to say, partly cloudy. I'm, I'm all right, but it could be better. But I won't complain. <laughs> That's a vibe. Yeah. That's yeah. a vibe. Using the weather to kind of tell you, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to tell him uh, that you appreciated that because he, he always has these yeah. cool little analogies that he uses for things. I'm just like, and it, apple doesn't fall far from the tree because I clearly use analogies in everything <laughs> that I do now. Shout out to dad. When you listen back to this and edit this, we appreciate you. <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm really excited to have you on. I've been following you for a while and have been joining your lives to one. The first time I did it was to just get perspective because I'm a type two diabetic and you're a type one, correct? Mm-hmm. So it has been very interesting, especially speaking of my dad, he at the time started insulin. And so I really kind of used you guys to understand what insulin life is like. I know type two diabetics in a lot of spaces can either be on oral medication like myself or can yes. kind of take oral medication and have to do insulin. And so mm-hmm. I found your lives really helpful and just connected me with a lot of people. And on top of that, I was really happy. The first, I think my first live that I saw was with you and Lexi. And that's how Lexi ended up on the show. Oh. And I'm just shout like, shout out to Lexi. Yes, shout out to Lexi. That's my homegirl. Yes. That's my sister. I love her. I ordered a bunch of stuff from her uh, for my birthday. So I have the hat, 
the shirt. I even got the bracelet because I'm terrible about wearing medical bracelets because they're ugly. So I appreciate that that she has those. So Sugarless Society, if you need some cool shit. But I was like so happy because I'm like, A, black people. <laughs> just, just full transparency. I found I was you. so happy. I remember I found, commenting I've that. I've been wearing people all my life. <laughs> and I, I was like, you know, I keep debating on changing the show Instagram with my face because I think people are confused when they just mm-hmm. see healing in hindsight. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm black. Like, this is- I'm, I'm here. I'm here too. <laughs> and then on top of that, it's black diabetics, which I felt like I wasn't yeah. finding. And we're all in the same age group. So I'm like, finally, people who get it, people who still want to drink and still want to socialize and are trying to do the, the corporate thing or build your own business. And both of my parents are type two. And when I was diagnosed, they tried to help me, but there were things that just didn't relate. And even my dad, he told me stuff that literally doesn't relate because I'm not a man. And I was just like, that's cool. I don't, I don't have those issues, but good to know in case. I think I know what you're referring to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was the season Mm -hmm. finale guest on my first season. And he's like, I can't believe I'm talking about sex with my daughter. And I'm like, me neither. I don't think we'd ever (laughs) get here, but you know, it's hilarious that we're talking about this because that's, that's what it's like for guys. Didn't know. Glad to know. So it's, it's been an interesting thing. So With that being said, I just want to give you an opportunity just to introduce yourself, let people know what you're about, what your passions are, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Before I do, I want to say thank you, Taylor, for bringing me on here. I know I showed up a little bit late and I want that to be known. (laughs) You will not (laughs) let this go, y'all. Try to give him grace. You will not let it go. Grace is good. Grace is good. I, I read somewhere they said, ask for uh, forgiveness, not, what is it? Ask for forgiveness, not, I'm blanking on the term, but I'm, I'm not ask, thank, be, thank the person for their patience. Don't ask for forgiveness. That's mm. what it was. Okay. So thank you for your patience. <laughs> of course. And I'm also asking for forgiveness. <laughs> no. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael. Um, on Instagram, you guys know me as Glucose Gang Mike. Shout out to everybody in the glucose gang. Who am I? I'm a type one diabetic. I was diagnosed way, 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 way. Back in the nine, nine in the 2000s. We'll get into that later. But uh, some of my hobbies, I live in North Carolina in the Raleigh-Durham area specifically. And uh, some of my hobbies just include reading, working out when I get the chance. Right. And um, working on Glucose Gang, of course. I'm really into personal finance as well. So I'm up on cryptocurrencies and NFTs at this point and stocks and real estate and different things. I'm really into personal finance. Oh, if you want to run my books any day, like I would gladly give that over because that's we can no. talk about it. <laughs> That's not my forte. <laughs> we can talk about it. We can definitely talk about it. I I, uh, I love it. I love it. What else do I do? I don't know. I, I Honestly, with the pandemic, it's kind of like I've really more so just been working from home mm-hmm. and just trying to stay in touch with what's going on in the world. And every now and then, if I get the urge to go out, I hop in my car and just drive. Yeah. Make a Go out of my subway, make a left, and just keep going. I feel that. I feel that. Subdivision. <laughs> I mean, I think we all Maybe I should check my- I actually have. So I'm I'm CGM life now for a month uh, now. A month now. So I feel really cool congrats. to like, oh, let me just scare myself real quick. I, I actually find myself doing <laughs> random stuff of like, ooh, let me buy this thing and see what it does. My CGM. Like, 
I bought some Raisin Bran because I just, I love cereal and I haven't found the right, I know they're coming up with so many, like there's a bunch of keto cereals and stuff like that that are supposed to fill that need and they don't taste right because they're not crack full of sugar. So that's probably the problem. <laughs> and so I bought some Raisin Bran and I'll eat it and then I'll scan. I'm like, dang. Let me try it again, just to be sure. <laughs> so I keep scanning myself. <laughs> this thing might be off. You know, it's just not working. Let me try. Let me try my old school meter. See if that uh, makes. It. Nope, still the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. Put put the raisin bread down. You can't. You can't do it, kid. You can't do it. So <laughs> it's definitely definitely been a lot of fun. Well, I am really curious to know. So so far, I've been doing two things. With my non-diabetic guests, I ask them what's one health myth they want to bust. But with my diabetic guests. I actually want to know what's one misconception about being a diabetic, whether it's type one or anything else that you hear in the diabetic space that you want people to know it's just not true. So stop asking, stop telling, whatever. What's one misconception that you just want to like stop the madness now? Oh man, I would say, man, I mean, the most basic one that I can think of honestly is that um, we as diabetics just can't eat carbs. Mm. Like we just can't have anything with with sugar or anything with an excessive amount of sugar, which is the majority of things that you see in supermarkets. You know what I mean? Right. Soda, energy drinks, bread. You know what I mean? Most of the things that we eat pretty much have a decent amount of carbs in them, mm-hmm. and carbs eventually break down into sugar. As for the people at home not listening, or for the people at home that don't understand, right? What I mean by sugar is just like carbs that break down into sugar that your body is then supposed to use. However, if you don't use that sugar, then your blood sugar can spike and it can be, it can affect your your body overall. Right. But anyway, I would say, yeah, just the idea that we can eat pretty much whatever we want to. There is no, if I want to go out here to this little local cupcake shop and order a dozen cupcakes and sit in my living room and eat each one and film it. <laughs> I can do that as long as I have some insulin and I'm not I'm not sick from eating all of the sugar. But yeah, I think a lot of people think that I have friends and family that like I've went out with them and stuff and they'll joke and are you sure you're allowed to have that? And I'm like Mind your business. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, I feel that for sure. Cause it's I think the, the the main joke that I've heard is, Oh my god, they just sat down a plate full of diabetes in front of me and it's just like, yo, <laughs> I I'm right here. Right? Like I I'm right here. You know you know that, right? Like you ain't gotta you ain't gotta say it. like chill because I think people don't realize how much of a it's it's very individual. We definitely have common ground in like maybe the medication that we take or some of the tips and tricks and things like that. Cause yes, to some degree, we have to watch the carbs, but it depends on the person. It depends on the body. Some people, like my partner, he sheds carbs like it's nothing, like not an ounce of fat on this man. For sure. It's unfair, but that's just how his body works. Whereas me, I can tolerate moderate carbs. I can't go crazy. And some people it's like, hey, I got to keep it as low as possible because even, you know, too much, I'm I'm through the roof. Clearly Raisin Bran has too many carbs for me because it sends me through the roof. And I'm glad it wasn't Fruity Pebbles because I probably would die a little bit inside if I realized just how bad Fruity Pebbles was for me. I love cereal, it's so hard. It's funny you say that, right? I, I, I remember recently I was joking with someone and they were asking me like, so how did you, I know you were diagnosed at such an early age or whatever and this and that. And they were like, what? 
I mean, how does it happen? And I was like, well, when I was seven, I remember very vividly climbing on top of the counter because I couldn't reach it. My mom had this, shout out to Mama Glucose. <laughs> she had this, and Papa Glucose, but she had this big container full of sugar. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my mom, that was just kind of what she did. She kind of placed the different sugars and like different things into containers. And I remember climbing up on the counter and opening the container, just dumping <laughs> no. sugar into my mouth. And and I told them that's how I got type one diabetes. And they Sir. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> listen, you now listen for everybody. Of course, I told them that was a joke. That was a terrible joke. Guys, if you're listening, that is not in any way, form, fashion, con that's, that is so far from the truth as far as how people are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. That is not, I repeat, <laughs> that is not, I repeat, that is not how I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Me eating sugar at seven years old had absolutely nothing to do with me right. being di diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. But it is a funny, like, dinner joke. You oh, know yeah. What I mean? Or when someone asks you, so... I feel like everybody can imagine that. that, especially if you are, I'm, I'm pretty much the jokester in the family. And so, especially through sarcasm, sarcasm is my favorite language. And so I feel like that would, I might steal that. I, I just might steal that from you and see how many faces go with it. Cause not only that, I like dark humor, but I feel like I have to keep that in the confines of like my close friends and family. Cause they're just like, dude, I'm like, I know that's just how I feel some days. <laughs> Hey, that's what it is. It is what it is. Look, it, I, I'm the one with the the chronic illness, not you. Right. So you at least I'm like, making hey, light I of can, it. <laughs> I can joke on it, right? Right. I've earned this, okay. <laughs> so speaking of dealing with your diagnosis and and having to deal with these kind of questions, I'm curious as to how has it shaped your relationship with others, with your family, your friends, past relationships with partners, current relationship with partners, like. What has shifted when you come in contact with people and your diagnosis? Man. Well, for me, I would say that my family is a lot more, when I was first diagnosed when I was younger, I'll say, they were a lot more uh, apprehensive, mm. um, a lot more cautious, I should say, with regards to my diabetes. And just like, I remember uh, my brother taking me to the movies, my older brother, shout out to Aaron. And uh, he would, he would, you know what I mean? We'd be getting ready to go out or whatever. This is like a big deal because I'm I'm the youngest. Yay, me too. Family. Shout out to the, you know the younger siblings causing all the, the trouble. Mom and dad don't care about <laughs> disciplining us because they've disciplined for years and they're tired of it. So we get the short. Yes. Yes, that's us. So my my anytime I got to spend with my older siblings is really special as a kid because they were also so much older than me. Sure. So it was always dope because I, I and I still do, I look up to my my older brother. So I remember him taking me out or whatever and we were walking out the door and he was like, Hey, hold on. He's like, You got your insulin? I was like, Yeah. He was like, You got your finger thing? I was like, Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like my prick stick, he was like, yeah, I got that. And just making sure that I had those things. My parents as well. My parents were definitely always kind of like, are you feeling okay? Have you checked your sugar? Is this good? You know what I mean? Did you, did you bowl this for this pizza? My friends, I didn't really, I kind of hid my diagnosis for a long time. Mm -hmm. Even from like my close friends. Now, the people that like I used to run around my neighborhood with and play basketball and shoot hoops and different things, they, they, I told them, but that was because I was around them so often. Right. 
So it was like, if I pass out or something, I need you to know it's not whatever else you think it is. It's, it's just my, my diabetes. So they knew, but I didn't really get comfortable, so to speak, with my diabetes until like later on in life. And as far as like romantic relationships and all of my, my previous girlfriends, I think can attest to this, not saying that there's a lot, but they can attest that I am pretty open with my diabetes. And it was, it was just one of those things where I had to be upfront with them about it, or at least I felt like I did. And most of them, fortunately, all of them, they never wanted to stop dating me due to my diabetes or anything. But there's definitely been instances where we, we might have had to make a store run to go get some candy or I don't know, you know what I mean? I might be over their house or something and they, they might not have any type of candy. So I might have to drink syrup. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun experience. Talk about heartburn. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> that's it's drinking sir i don't recommend that to anybody and that was a terrible experience but yeah that, that's kind of how it's how, how my diabetes has shaped my relationships with family and friends um just in general yeah it's interesting because i feel like especially a lot of the type one friends that i've made it's it's a very solo journey despite the fact that you have yeah. family and friends around and for me it's a little different because i got to watch it through my parents now i didn't fully grasp it because my mom was diagnosed first and all i remember is that's when yeah. everything was sugar-free in the house and i think it was around the time when like the sugar-free wave in general was was coming out and so all i knew is that when i made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the jelly didn't taste right didn't know what it was just knew it didn't <laughs> taste right and then my dad i didn't know until i just saw him taking a lot of pills at one point and i'm like okay are these vitamins yeah. and i've never seen them either of them check their blood sugar i've never seen their meters nothing like that mm -hmm. i just knew with my mom because it was very open about it but then with my dad i was just like why are you taking all these like oh, it's my meds, like I'm a diabetic. I'm like, when the hell did that happen? Like, I get it's not like, oh, let's put up a banner as soon as I come home. I'm a diabetic, woo. It was just, it was just weird because I just had no idea. And so I remember as I got closer to, I was diagnosed in 2015, I started having more conversations with my dad about it because I was like, oh, okay, both y'all got it. And I remember asking my mom, is this a thing in our family? She's like, yeah, like half your grandma's side of the family. I'm like, oh, okay, I should probably all right. keep eyes out for this. This is, uh, all right. And so it was really interesting because it was there. It just, I didn't impose. I didn't ask a lot of questions because part of it felt like, is that insensitive to ask these type of questions, to wonder about this kind of stuff? And all I remember is like my mom, uh, I know for type twos, insulin sometimes feels like a threat. She went to a doctor's mm -hmm. appointment and they were like, hey, if you don't get your numbers in check, we're gonna have to put you on insulin. And that was enough to send her in full mm -hmm. mode of like low carb, low sugar, everything. And she came off half her meds because of it. And then same thing with my dad. He had just, life happened. He had been working a lot, traveling a lot, and they had to put him on insulin. Mm -hmm. And it felt kind of like, huh, bummer. Versus like, this is a thing that's gonna help you, but I feel like my dad's story, especially like they have them on everything, the statin drugs, all kinds of stuff. And it's just like this one, I kind of outcounters this one. And now I got to get put on this mm -hmm. one and, and um, to watch him really take control of that and be like, you know what, we're going to start getting some second opinions because y'all don't seem to really want me off of this stuff. You just keep adding more stuff and it's annoying. So it's really interesting to hear how those relationships form because it's something that is detrimental for you if you don't have those things versus kind of like 
it's around me, but eh, I don't know. And now I feel like I'm the bigger advocate part of, cause I started this platform, but really wanting my parents to see like, Hey, it's not, it's not the end. And there's, there's time for us to really gain some of that back because there's so much more information out there now. And actually when you were doing, was it, is it the Fraza insulin where the, the inhalable ones? Because my dad so, hates doing his, friends. yes, I told him after yeah. watching one of your lives, I said, hey, you need to check this out. They have inhalable insulin. He was like, what? Oh, yeah, let me <laughs> let me find out what this is about. Because I am so overdoing this. He, he kind of sure. sneaks off into the corner to do his shots. And he's also on yeah. a Trulicity shot. And that's, Ooh. yeah, that's the one that he's not a fan of. I'm actually on a shot now. And I felt a little weird about it. And then I felt really bad because I'm like, my type one friends have to do this all the time. Like, like stop it. Like, <laughs> wait, listen, wait, what, what, let me hold on. Now. <laughs> let me, let me return the grace that you've given to me at the beginning. And let me say that just because we, we, we all have these different struggles and these different things mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're, you not wanting to take a shot is not valid. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm joking here. Cause I know you're joking as well. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's, it's, it is true. Like, I don't think that we as people, I think a lot of times, just in general, outside of diabetes, we kind of look at our situation and we, we, we might, I might be driving down the street and see a, a homeless individual. And I might be thinking, man, like, <clears throat> it, it sucks that he's homeless and different things. And I wish that you know, there's something I could do to help him. I don't know where I was going with that analogy. My sugar is definitely going high. That was a bad analogy. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me bring it back. Let me rewind. Okay. Taking a shot or feeling weird about taking a shot. You don't have to feel bad about taking a shot or taking, because again, that is your part of your plight. Yeah. And I want to say, don't ever feel like you have to compare your plight with somebody else's because we all go through different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my struggles might not be your struggles, but that doesn't diminish my struggle right you know what i mean yeah yeah and vice versa so i just i just wanted to say that i'm gonna catch no no you're good i i think you you bring up a valid point because so i my doctor so one i just saw an endocrinologist this year i've never seen one in the almost six years that i've been diagnosed my primary has been managing the lack of information is really hard and I, i will say it's because of my type one friends who it makes sense that you would need to see an endocrinologist. Like you have a hormone that is just non-existent, yeah. right? And so for those of us who are kind of in that murky gray area, mm. we are immediately put on pills and then you just change the pills and then we change the pills again. And it isn't until you are pushed to the point of needing insulin. Now, I have heard of other type twos in recent times being immediately put on insulin, depending on how bad, but a lot of times it's metformin. Start there and work your way up. And then I got glipizide added. And now apparently glipizide is kind of old school. So I got switched to combaglize because I needed the higher metformin, but I needed the combo drug because my numbers were still too high because diabetic morning wood is real. I don't know. And then I recently, my endocrinologist was like, oh, no, scrap all that shit. We're going to put you on Sinjardi and Ozampic. And here's a shot. Just stab yourself in the stomach, lose 40 pounds. You'll be good. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. That's a lot. Can we... Yeah. Can we woo, come back? Do I need to talk to my primary about this? Like, no, nah, I, I take over full control. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And so the first time I did the shot, the needle actually isn't that bad. And I've actually found a way to like, I don't even feel it. I got like 12 tattoos on top of that. So I'm just like, you'd think like, oh, you're fine. I'm, I'm 
no stranger to needles, but I'm not applying right. it to myself most of the time and fingers are easy. So it was just one of those things like, all right, like having a hype session in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to do this. I'm, okay. I'm sweating. I got to calm down because now I'm getting hot. I'm going to pass out just because I'm freaking out. It's a mindset thing. Like you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And then you do it and you're like, oh. Yeah, I really am fine. This is, this is, so it's, it's one of those things where you just like, if it's something that you don't come across, you have no idea. And so, you know, now, because it's only once a week. And so now two shots in, I'm like, oh, I figured out. I actually just like hold my stomach up and I just kind of let it fall into the needle. And I'm like, hey, that works. You know, I don't even have to think about it. Same thing when I did my sensor for the first time, I didn't realize the, the freestyle sensor applicator was spring loaded, like your Lancet. So I'm thinking I actually have to press it into my arm. So same thing. I'm like, okay, it's okay. You can do it. And then I press it and it's, and I didn't even feel it. And I'm like, Oh, I should have watched videos of people applying this before. I just completely freaked myself out for no reason because it's, I don't know. It's just those weird moments that you have with yourself. And I'm definitely doing an episode about comparing diabetic journeys because I, I definitely have seen now that I'm learning about so much more late onset type one and Modi and type three C and all, all these, there's just so many types mm-hmm. now. It's weird that it's easy, especially in the area of so- social media to, oh, they look like they're doing well and, and meeting people who have, mm-hmm. especially type twos. Oh, I reversed my type two and feeling defeated because it's like, okay, I've been at this six years. What the hell am I doing wrong? And just realizing it is truly a unique path for every single person. And you can't go crazy over what someone else is doing because it just may not work for you. I can't do keto. It, it ain't a thing for me. It's never worked it for me. Like health overabundance of healthy fats actually make my numbers climb. Go figure. But there's so many diabetic groups that I'm in where they're like, just do keto. And I'm like, doesn't work. Not not the story for everybody. So can we please Doesn't not work. shame people? Sometimes I'll see these groups, they'll post their meal and they're like, oh my God, you have way too many carbs in there. And it's just like, okay, can y'all not, can y'all not yeah, mob on listen. these people? Like, geez, it's, it's really intense. And so it really plagues on your mind. And so that's. It's the same thing with the, with the cinnamon. You know what I mean? Oh my God. I put cinnamon on my drink because I like cinnamon, not because I'm trying to lower my blood sugar. Listen, make sure you use some cinnamon and you know what I mean? It'll, it'll help you with your diabetes. It's like, there is not enough cinnamon in. Have you seen those cinnamon challenges? It doesn't look like. Cinnamon. <laughs> and I did that challenge as a teenager. I remember that. I remember my same friends growing up. Side note, I remember us being in my friend's kitchen and he had a large sink and my one friend did the cinnamon challenge and he almost died. And I remember seeing a big puff of cloud of cinnamon go into the air and him rushing to the sink and then realizing the water is not going to help me swallow the cinnamon. Oh my God. It was a big mess. That's, that's, that's. I just feel like, I just feel like how many moms and grandmas are like beating the hell out of these people because do you know how expensive good quality cinnamon is? (laughs) And you just wasted it. <laughs> That's all I see. I would I would never I could never because as yeah. as things go my mom gets higher quality stuff and it's just like yeah. nah fam that ain't it. Yeah, I wish I would go You're in my mom's kitchen and do that. And then you blew it everywhere. Right. Better be oh, cleaned yeah. up before I get home. <laughs> it was a so fact. Yo, yo, it's That's it's so crazy. Fact. Now I I speaking of mental health stuff, you are a huge advocate mm-hmm. for mental health. 
And so I would truly love to understand like what challenges did you face growing up with this and how you worked through them, how you work through any mental health challenges now and like the type of tools and resources that have been true clutch things to use to help you overcome these mental obstacles when it comes to your diagnosis. Yeah, my my biggest thing with as related to diabetes and mental health has just been kind of wrapping my mind around the fact that this is a this disease, like you said, affects our hormones, mm-hmm. right? Specifically, the insulin hormone, if I'm not mistaken. But it is still it still affects our hormones. You know what I mean? And I've witnessed it myself. I've witnessed when my sugar is low. You know what I mean? I might be a little bit more reserved and less outgoing. I've witnessed when my sugar is high and I'm driving, for instance, I might get road rage really bad. Mm -hmm. I might really be pissed off that somebody cut me off when it's not that big of a deal. And I live in North Carolina where it's an open carry state. So for my safety... Listen, it, it's it, like it's not that big of a deal. I should probably let him go on. All jokes aside, like I think it's it's really important to understand that diabetes affects not only like what you eat and how much you use the restroom and different things, but also your mental health. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's important that I keep that at the forefront. You know what I mean? There's been times where I have been trying to run my Instagram and, and my business and make sure that Glucose Gang has everything that it needs as far as what guests I'm booking for a live or coming up with a new design and different things. And there are times where I feel burnt out and I will have to mentally step away from social media or mentally step away or recalibrate the things. What am I watching? You know what I mean? Am I listening to something that might be a little bit more discouraging to me? You know what I mean? Am I, am I, what am I surrounded? What am I taking in just as a whole? You know what I mean? How can I kind of help my mental, you know what I mean? When, when I'm feeling down Uh, a lot of times and I'm going to do this next week, I get massages as frequently as I can. I've never had one. I should do that. What was? I've never had one. Never had a massage. It's kind of like how I get yelled at when I tell people I've never been to New Orleans. Everybody yells at you if they've been to New Orleans and you haven't. And they're like, why haven't you been here? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I just haven't. Okay. Like, yes, I want to drink in the street. All right. But I just haven't made it there. Okay. Like, geez, leave me alone. <laughs> so just know if you ever visit Texas and you say that for some reason you get yelled at for not, but it's kind of the same with massages. You know, I'll be like, I've never gotten a massage. And oh it's God. something that I keep saying that I need to do. So well, listen. get a massage, people. Yeah. Get a massage. It's, it's, it's not for everybody either. I know people that just don't like having other people give them a massage, so to speak, like random sure. people. So I get that. However, I, will, I would be lying if I said that once I leave my masseuse, I don't feel just better just physically mentally I, I feel more clear i feel ready you know what i mean to move forward so so yeah like so i i say i get massages listen kind of like however it is that you like to relax you know what i mean is good for your mental and, yeah. and my aspect so like i know places that sell cbd bath bombs you uh, know what i mean listen go ahead god bless just the marijuana plant in general i don't <laughs> care who uses it THC, CBD, all of it. It's amazing. 
stop playing with the nonsense with the war on drugs, psychedelics included. Listen, it, <laughs> it, it is a game changer. You know what I mean? Go ahead yes. and set some, turn on some music. Maybe get you a glass of wine. You know what I mean? Set the mood. Turn your phone off. Drop that bath mm-hmm. bomb in. Watch it do its thing. I mean, it's it's so I love a good bath. relaxing. The other thing that I do to kind of help my mental with relate as it relates to diabetes mm-hmm. is I got a therapist. So I actually, I was diagnosed when I was back in 1999 and now it's 2021. And that's never something that I'd ever discussed with anybody. That's not something that I had ever really even thought about because I've just been living with it for my whole life. And someone said yeah. to me one day, they were like, I think maybe you should go talk to somebody. I think it was my mom. So maybe you should go talk to somebody about your diagnosis. I know that that was something you never talked to and some, something you never talked about. And I said, yeah. So I looked at a couple of different therapists in my area. I found one that I felt comfortable with. And it's the intake session. And I I think I've told this story before, but it's the intake session and he's just collecting small bits of information from me. What do you want to get out of this? Why did you want to come see me? And it's virtual, right? Because this this was Mm -hmm. COVID. And so I'm telling him, I'm like, COVID, I've just been laid off my job, but I just found a new one. I was in a situationship. It was a lot of things. Uh Yeah. Uh Uh-oh, entanglement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jada Pinkett style. All that, all that. (laughs) This is the diabetic red table time. Hold on. (laughs) So I was, I was, I was, I was, it was a lot of things going on in my, my life. And I told him, but one of the main things that I really wanted to discuss was just my diabetes. And again, I went in there with the intake session, just expecting to kind of have him do the preliminary stuff. Okay, what's your name, date of birth, blah, blah, blah. Have you seen anything Mm -hmm. crazy? Whatever. And And again, I'm going in here with the mindset of this is going to be a quick session. This is not really where we break down feelings and emotions and childhood trauma and different things. Boy, was I wrong. So he goes, do you feel sorry for that seven-year-old boy that was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes? And I'm not going to hold you up. I am an emotional person. I have no problem saying that. There's been times I have an emotional spirit. So when he said that to me, I mean, I broke mm-hmm. down like, 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 like a, a house of cards. You know what I mean? Everything, it's everywhere. So he said that to me and I broke down and because no one had ever framed it that way, it's not a conversation I'd ever had with somebody. And the truth was I did. You know what I mean? I did feel sorry for seven-year-old Michael who had been diagnosed with this autoimmune disease and his life was about to change. And I felt sorry for myself because I felt like my potential had been robbed yeah. from me. I felt like, yeah, I felt like all my life growing up, I always had people kind of telling me, you know what I mean? Oh, you're, 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 you're you know what I mean? Every time we see you, you're getting taller, stronger. You know what I mean? Oh, you, you're so creative and smart and different things. And that, that was like my like claim to fame as a kid. And then to have 
someone come and tell you, hey, you might not be able to utilize some of the gifts that you've been given naturally, it it broke me down. But then my therapist went on to say, well, part of that seven-year-old child is still a piece of you. And now as a, back then, as a, you know, 28-year-old grown man, you matured and grown into a 28-year-old survivor. You know what I mean? You're no longer a a seven-year-old victim of diabetes. You're a survivor. And you can help other people um, get through this tough period. And that's when I knew I'll be giving my money to him every week. And it's, yeah. it's paid dividends. You know what I mean? I love, he's still my therapist to this day. We, I had a session with him this morning and shout out to True Impact Therapy. And I mean, he's just, it, it, it just, it's just, it does wonders yeah. like me- mental health yeah. wise for me yeah. as far as my therapy, because it's a way for me to get things off of my chest, whether that be frustrations, nice. whether that be achievements, whether that be angst or anxiety around something. Here's someone who you can talk to consistently and they will let you vent and yammer on without any type of comments or regards for what you're saying. But then he also does teach me different techniques as well to kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, to kind of cope with different things as well. And that's another huge piece because I feel like as well therapists shouldn't just listen to you kind of vent and cope you know what I mean anybody could do that the thing that makes them different is they give you tools and trades and perspective to kind of handle these situations if they arise again which oftentimes they do and so that is a culmination of ways that I deal with the mental health aspects of my diabetes and just my life, those are just some of the ways that I'm able to, to cope. Also, of course, the obvious one as well is I'm a black man in America. Hello. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. yo, I'm seeing people that look like me get shot and killed and put on to TV and different things. And there's I'm seeing all all of these different things in my mind. It's taking all of these all of these different images in. You know what I mean? And there there was definitely has been some paranoia these past years and still is. Mm-hmm. And as a black man in America, it, it is important that I have an outlet. You know what I mean? Because my mental health has been skewed. I have seen things that probably have damaged my mental psyche. And I just, just, just overall have had a negative impact on me mentally. Mm-hmm. And important to note that. So I would highly recommend anyone and everyone, if you feel like you need therapy, I would definitely go seek some help. I think the beauty of living in the times that we do is that that stigma has kind of fallen off regarding therapy. Yeah. And it's just important to, to, to keep your body healthy as well as your mental and all other aspects of your life. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. I am. Um... Couldn't agree more. And it's kind of something that I mentioned in uh, the clubhouse room that I was in for other diabetics mm-hmm. is that there is something to be said about healthcare providers giving a bigger treatment plan that isn't just based off of numbers. Mm-hmm. They play a role. And and I like to use my my first endocrinology you know appointment as an example, because shout out to everything underscore endocrine in New York, where I really appreciate that he leads with the idea that it's not just about weight, like we need to end the weight stigma, right? And and my point in mentioning that is, is that 
mental health needs to also be a part of the prescription plan because nobody can prepare you for the type of things that you're going to have to deal with when you're diagnosed with something like this. And especially as a child, that is something that you don't fully encompass of how big your world is changing. So definitely shout out to your therapist because he immediately pushed you into inner child work. And that is something that I've done over the past year that has really made a huge difference in how I operate now. I've done a, it's like a visualization meditation mm-hmm. where the, the person who led it kind of gave some talking points and you're kind of digging into yourself and seeing who bubbles up and what age of you bubbles up. And for me, it was me when I was around three or four and I didn't talk. Sometimes your inner child will talk. Sometimes they won't. I just smiled and pointed all the time. And what I kind of saw and understood is that I had over the years lost that innocence of, I just want to play. I just want to smile. I just want to be happy. I just want to run around because the world beats you down in a way of that. And so remembering what that feels like, remembering what it felt like to be so stubborn that If I wanted to do something or if I felt like this was fun for me, I'm going to freaking do it. There's no there's no stopping me at this point. And there's even another exercise where you write a letter to that child. So you could write a letter to seven year old Michael and you input everything, your hopes, your dreams. You're forgiving yourself. I'm so sorry that I didn't do this. I didn't protect you. I didn't do these things because we carry a lot of that childhood like stuff with us. And we don't realize how much it affects us subconsciously until someone asks, do you feel sorry for seven-year-old Michael? You know what I mean? And so it's really beautiful, this type of work, and it needs to be more regular, more routine, especially for communities of color. I think you hit it right on the head of like being Black in America is traumatizing and there's not enough access for us to you, you know what it's like it used to be like you don't talk about your problems you don't yeah. therapist i used to want to be the kid i'm super dramatic okay i was a theater kid uh, but you know those <laughs> moments on tv where kids are just going off on their parents and letting out their emotions and their parents are sitting by and be like well, I didn't know you felt that way, Billy. It didn't happen in black households. I have, I'd have moments in my head where like, let me see that's if I can get right. away with this. And I could push it with my mom, but I damn sure couldn't push it with my dad. Like that's no. how you end up through the wall, right? But now yeah. that we're older, I'm able to express my emotions a lot better. And my parents, even though we have still bumps, I don't feel held back by saying, this kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Not exactly how I meant it or how I want to take this, but I respect whatever it is that you have because we're at a, we're kind of at a disadvantage just as a community in general of how do we talk about these things? How do we sit there and say, Hey, can you not be insensitive and make these kind of jokes about what I'm eating or if I should eat or whatever? We weren't trained to do any of that. So neither were our parents because our communities weren't allowed access to that. I mean, We're just now getting to the age where insurance companies are paying for mental health care. Like how many times people have to lose their minds and go shoot up a room to realize we should probably get to this early and make it accessible for everybody. It's it's sad, but it's true. And so I 100% am on the same page of like everybody should have a therapist. Everybody. I've been seeing my, my lady for two years now. And it has been something that I'm actually, I got to thank my partner for that because we went to couples therapy, which led to us needing to go see individual. And I used to think therapy was crazy. I had a bad experience when I was a kid 
And it felt very much like three adults, my parents and, and the therapist, shaming me. Just why do you yep. act up? Why do you do this? And I'm just shrinking in a corner of like, I can't really tell y'all how I feel because I'm just going to go home and get bitched out again. Or, or it's you're not really going to take me seriously. Right. And having to realize that that's not it. It's just meeting somebody who's willing to listen. And sometimes your close connections can't have that because they have too many emotional ties to you that triggers them. And it's because they got their own work they need to do too. So I, I really am glad that you sought help. I'm really glad that it is doing wonders for you from so many avenues because not enough of our black men are doing it and and we need y'all and we need y'all sane (laughs) and we need you guys to be able to navigate and understand yourself as best as possible because nobody nobody's you so if you don't get you you can't expect anybody else to and so i think it's it's absolutely wonderful that you're doing that one more one more quick thing i wanted to say i'm proud of you as well you know what I mean? It, it takes a strong person to, like you said, if you've already done something previously and it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. that kind of shapes your view as far as future events and similar things that happen. Yeah. So for you to be able to experience that as a three or four year old and then decide as an adult, hey, I'm going to give this another shot and just give it a chance and see, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and and and. And, and go go down this rabbit hole and see what happens. I also wanted to also say that, yeah, as a Black man, it's important to have these avenues. And just as a, can we also just, I'm a Black man, so that's the experience. And those are the things that you guys are hearing from me and seeing mm-hmm. from me. But can we also point out the fact that as a generation, we have seen so Dude. much in our lifetime there's an so, episode of Rick and Morty where where Summer's like, bitch, I get traumatized for breakfast. Like, that's yes. us. That's us. Facts. That's us. Facts. <laughs> Facts. You know what I mean? The 9-11, the, the, the Great Recession, mm-hmm. 2020, like, pan, like we have seen so school shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go down the list, but I, I don't want to get depressed. You know what I mean? But we have, as a, a generation, have just witnessed and seen so much stagnant wages, cost of living going up. You know what I mean? College, a bachelor's degree not meaning what it did back in the day. Like, there is so much that as a generation, I think that we, it's it's good to talk to somebody about these things and really recognize and understand that although these things might not you you may have felt like they didn't directly affect you in some way form or fashion you know what i mean they they do yeah i mean they're always still in the back of your psyche so i just wanted to say that yeah no thank you thank you for that it is i think part of what i'm trying to build as my like separate kind of business line is walking people through that process because there's plenty of people doing nutrition and fitness stuff all day long. I'd rather refer that out. I've met some great people for our our community as diabetics who offer that. But I think I used to be a corporate trainer. So I'm used to developing people. I'm used to teaching people how to do their job and how to navigate to like soft skills for Mm Sometimes you're going to get on the phone and people are going to start yelling at you and you got to know how to Mm -hmm. diffuse the situation. And I learned that I'm kind of a master motivator in a sense of like being able to key into people and get them motivated to do what they need to do. Right. And I think in my mental health journey and and honestly, spiritual journey this past year, I've realized kind of this framework of like, yo, when I got my mind right, 
I immediately wanted to get my spirit right. Not even on some like, if you're, if you believe in God or not, just I immediately was willing to sit and meditate and immediately able to like tune into my intuition and my higher self to know that when I go and make decisions for myself, oh my God, my body is this vessel that yes, has this condition, but every time that I do something that goes against helping it, I'm breaking my spirit down which leads to breaking my mind down, which leads to this vicious cycle of, okay, now I'm back in therapy crying because I feel so defeated for doing this thing. And it's just, it's just this rotating thing. And so it's just like, ah, I get it now. When I work on my mind and I unlock these subconscious things, these beliefs, these environmental triggers, the societal programming, and I build up and understand what makes me operate that way, then I can really dig deeper into my higher senses and understand, oh, I've been trying to tell myself what the right direction is. I just didn't know how to listen to it because I was letting all of the negative things in my mind take over. And now I know how to meet that and realize, okay, when something negative comes up, it's a fear that's coming up for me that I don't know how to address which means I need to lean into it. The more scared I am, that means I need to lean into it. And now I know how to use those simultaneously to make decisions. Now it's not so difficult to ignore the pizza if I know it's too late and I need to make sure that my numbers are okay because I'm going to feel really shitty in the morning if I do this. Mm -hmm. Now it's not so hard to give myself grace of like, hey, I'm out with my friends. I'm going to eat some ice cream. It's totally okay. But I'm not going to eat a gallon's worth right? It's so easy for me to make these decisions because I did the work to really connect with myself. And I think that is the thing that's missing for us is there's all these resources for other communities of getting to know yourself, being very mentally strong, being very spiritually strong. And for us, it's been so skewed because, well, it's been whitewashed. It's been, you know, programmed from perspectives that aren't ours. It's been seen as sometimes witchcraft, like shadow work Mm -hmm. actually isn't witchcraft it means the stuff that you don't want people to see that's what that means it's the stuff that you do or deal with when you're alone by yourself and you don't want nobody to know about that that's shadow work and so we've had all of this stuff as a community that just dampens us desensitizes us to really tuning in and understanding what roles we play and so therapy is just the the key opener for that and i think we owe ourselves like we gotta be absolute 100 with ourselves because if we don't that's how we end up lost and and being swayed so easily into things that don't serve us and so i really appreciate your advocacy in that because that's that's similar realm of what i'd like to bring it's just another perspective of like it doesn't have to be defeating simply because you were diagnosed like there are ways to navigate that. And that kind of leads me to my, my next question, because along with your own mental health journey, you've been an advocate for other men. And so I'm curious as to how that's played a role in how you speak life into other men or other diabetic men. I know you have a, a male therapist, and I'm also curious if that's played a role in helping you, because sometimes we need to someone to mirror that perspective. I, I know if I had a male therapist, I probably would still get some great insight out of it. But at the same time, he doesn't have the same body parts as me. So there's not always a way to understand. So I just would love your overall thoughts on on those things. And and just to recap my overall thoughts on on your advocacy for mental health, specifically for diabetic men, and then how Mm -hmm. having a male therapist has kind of helped shape your your mental health practice, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, 
I think you kind of hit the nail on the hammer there when you said that, like, he doesn't have the same parts as me. You know what I mean? I'm sure I would still get the things that I need to get out of a uh, a therapist that is that is a woman. But as you stated, it's it's we have different experiences. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As a man, not to say that my therapist's experience needs to be exactly the same as mine, because that's not even possible. Mm-hmm. But I do need them to to really understand. And I do need certain things that I say and the emotions that I bring up. I need that to resonate with them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it's it, it's it kind of defeats the purpose of therapy. If I go into a therapy session and I'm sitting with therapist A and therapist A goes, well, what do you mean by you felt like they were, you know what I mean? You you felt like you were, you were, I don't know. It, it, it's like, it, if there's certain cultural disconnects sure. and I have to explain that, that cultural difference or that cultural, the cultural significance of the things that I'm saying or the experience that I'm having, it kind of takes away from the whole aspect of what therapy is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I also want to say, and I'll say this and then I'll get to your other question that a lot of times in therapy, at least for me and my therapist, guys, let me say this live on this platform. A lot of times my therapy sessions aren't these prolific, profound breakdown, Michael, let me tell you about your childhood trauma and Mm -hmm. this and that. A lot of times it's just me and him talking. Yeah. We'll be sitting there talking and laughing and you know what I mean? It's like, we, he was talking earlier today about how, like, sometimes if we want to change people, it's just not possible. And then he got to, he got to talking about someone very special in his life. And he was like, I can't change that person if I wanted to. And that's just how they are. And we were just laughing about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I also want to break that stigma as far as the idea of therapy being this, this every time you go into a session, it's a, a groundbreaking or a breakthrough the truth of the matter is a lot of times it's not, although it is still very, very beneficial, but a lot of times it's not me breaking down, crying, telling him about how shitty a week I had. As a man, a man of color with diabetes, as men, we are taught to be strong, right? In every single situation. As a man, and this goes back for generations, mm-hmm. right? If I think about my father, my father is someone who worked in a factory the majority of his life, was around other men, sweaty, grueling, very, very tough work conditions, doing physical labor, working 12 to 14 hours a day to put food on the table for his family of seven. That, yeah, that's my. That's my, 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 my blueprint. You know what I mean? However, and he is a man's man with no question, but you know, that also goes back to his father and his father and the different things that he did and and what we kind of consider as a man in society. Again, we as boys are taught growing up to be strong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're taught, to be the be the leader you know what i mean pick a pick a a a strong color 
You know what I mean? When as and as a man, as a boy, I can say this too. Typically, at least when I was growing up, I don't know about now, but back in the day, there was always two colors that you chose. You know what I mean? In any sport, game, what have you, and those two colors were red and blue. Mm-hmm. Now, what I know about color psychology is that blue is a more calm, but still a very strong, cold, you know what I mean? Kind of like silencing color, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Red is a more fiery, more emotional, more passionate color. These are the two colors that we as boys typically have to choose from, whether that be our clothes, our sneakers, our shoes, our sporting events, our sporting teams, our our jerseys in in, in gym class. Do you want to be on red team or do you want to be on the blue team? Yeah. You know what I mean? That plays a role in the psychology as a man when you grow up. You know what I mean? I found myself often asking myself, what about the color green? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is why green is my favorite color these days. I said all that to say that the only two emotions that we are taught is is really being courageous or being angry. Mm. In cartoons, in movies, in this popular culture. The hero is always, the classic hero story is always about a boy who is maybe not at quite his potential, but he might have a little bit of potential. Mm -hmm. And he goes through these different trials and challenges. And by the end of the movie, he's this great hero and he's courageous now and he's smart and he, 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 he got the woman that he wanted and different things. He's typically also portrayed as someone who the only emotion that they typically show is anger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, I didn't get my challenge. I'm frustrated. I'm going to punch my whole, my, my hand through a wall. Yeah. And the realist, the the realistic view of that is that that is not, that's not a a true picture of what a boy or a man should be. Going back to your original question, it's important that we as men highlight that. and We know that that it's okay to be human mm-hmm. because before we're even men, we're human. Yes. And that means that that encompasses all areas and all different types of emotions, happiness, anger, sadness, joy, peace, chaos. It's all encompassing. There's not two emotions that fit me at any given time or moment when, when things happen to me. There's a rush of different emotions and it's important as men for us to understand and to really wrap our heads around the idea that we don't need to be every, uh, most things in life are, are gray. Yeah. Life is not black and white. You know what I mean? It feels that way at times, but most of the time things are gray. If, and this is an extreme example, and I'll say this and then I'll, I'll let it go. But if if you go beat my little brother up and he comes back to me, you know what I mean? Oh, and let me also say this really quickly. I'm sorry I keep going off. No but the reason why we as men are taught not to show weakness is because 
as boys and just throughout, you know what I mean, history, it's like if you find a weakness in somebody, you can exploit that. Yeah. So if I know as a boy that, hey, if I talk about Johnny's haircut or whatever and he doesn't, I know that that's going to get to him. That's going to throw him off his game. That's going to make me look better to the other group of people. And so that's why we as men, as boys, are taught not to show weakness because it can be exploited. People can then view you and uh, allegedly take advantage of you you know what I mean? Because they know that you have that weakness now. You've shown a chink in your armor. Now we can exploit it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I said all of that as well to say that we we have to wrap our minds around the fact that as men, we're humans first and that we have a host full of different emotions and that it's okay to show those emotions. It doesn't make you less of a man to to show your sensitive side. It doesn't make you less of a man to take a CBD bath bomb. You know what I mean? There is no real, especially not in 2021. We have stay-at-home dads now. Yeah. That that wouldn't have even been a thought 40, 50 years ago. People would have looked at you crazy if you had been like, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I make YouTube videos. People would have been like, what the? yeah (laughs) you don't you don't go to work yeah you don't who provides for your family my wife does she makes more than me what Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's our our world is changing we have to adapt with the times and it's just important to understand that we have emotions and it's okay to show those emotions it's okay to be who you are the 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 last thing i'll say regarding this is that If you are a real man, whatever that means to you, uh, you understand that there are certain universal things that we as a collective group of men might look at another man and go, that is the quote unquote definition of what a real man is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. The other aspect that nobody talks about is a real man knows that no matter what it is that he, who he is personally doesn't matter. But what matters is that he lives his life on his own terms. Yeah. That's the real definition of a real man. It doesn't matter what you do, who you are, your profession. If you are the breadwinner in your home, the definition of a real man is a man that lives life on his own terms. And of course, like I stated, Again, there are some universal things I think that as a collective of men, we would look at and go, yeah, that that probably would be the quote unquote definition of a man. But ultimately, a real man knows that he defines himself. Yeah. And that is the truth of being a man and, and mental health. Being self-aware and having mental health and talking about all of your emotions is another aspect of that. So my last question for you that I still ask everybody is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to a newly diagnosed diabetic? One piece of advice I would give to a newly diagnosed diabetic. Find the diabetic community. The community 
will help you feel like you actually are not alone. The community will support you, encourage you. The community, if you ever run out of insurance, run out of insurance. If you ever come off of your insurance and you are in a pinch and you don't have insulin or you don't have test supplies, there's someone out there who will send you supplies and insulin. The diabetic community literally online and just locally is a such a blessing. So I would tell a newly diagnosed type 1 diabetic, find the community online would probably be the easiest. Just search for hashtag T1D and thank me later. (laughs) All right. Mike drops the mic on that. No pun intended. Um, Very true, though. Very true. I I will say it was such... you know, a struggle when I was diagnosed to find the diabetic community, but I'm so glad that I dove back into searching, especially as I tried to build the show, because it has grown so much in so many different facets that it almost feels like you can't sneeze without running into another diabetic online who just has the same thing. And I've talked to, especially other Black women, where I'm like, dude, where were you five years ago when I needed to? <laughs> like, like, we were diagnosed around the same time. And then you're like, how? So it's it's growing and, and more and more of us are just banding together and supporting each other. So it is truly a beautiful community. So with that being said, if other people want to connect with you, if they want to find out what Glucose Gang is up to, do you have any offerings? I heard you, you have merch. I saw the shirt. So now I got to figure out how I got to get a shirt just for me. Y'all can figure out your own way. But How can people connect with you to make sure that they are always in the loop with what you are up to? Yes. Okay. Let me get my promo voice right. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on, no, you can find me on um, Instagram at glucose gang, Mike spelled just how it sounds. We have so much coming up for the glucose gang just in general. My word, my website is currently being constructed. And that is like the Glucose Gang website where you can find the latest things going on in the community as well as purchase merchandise. We will get you a shirt, Taylor, I promise. So that will be, that's coming soon. That is currently under construction. Meanwhile, you can catch me every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, 12 a.m. UK time, Glucose Gang International. Shout out to all my UK folks. We are live every Thursday, like I said, at 7 p.m. with different guests. Sometimes I just go live and just talk about things going on in the community. Every Monday, you can catch us on Clubhouse with me and my wonderful co-host, Tiana Cooks. Many of her, you can catch us Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 5 p.m. Mountain Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we just have a chat called Everything But Diabetes, and we just talk. You know what I mean? The the goal originally was to not talk about diabetes, but it always comes back to it. So <laughs> there's no way that. to not talk about that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, Thursdays, Mondays, uh, the website is being built. I got some other stuff in the works that I can't quite speak on yet, but there is we are working. There is a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline. Thank you to everybody who's been supporting the glucose gang, checking out the lives, sharing links, 
communicating. We're going to be, once we do have the merchandise and everything up, we will be doing a giveaway, of course. And you guys can tap in and tune in. And yeah, thank you for rocking with me. Stay tuned. More to come. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Okay, well, I I will I promise not to stalk because that'll just seem creepy. I'm like, do you have any updates yet? Do you have any updates yet? But I will say, as someone who has watched your lives and been a part of the clubhouse rooms, it's definitely worth it. The last clubhouse room was so powerful. Jeez, it was so powerful, and I, and that's why I chimed. I was like, ooh, let's all just take a collective breath for each other because wow, yes. it was just so amazing. So definitely, definitely make sure that you join the clubhouse rooms. If anything, nobody can see you. You can just tune in and listen. And we've had so many beautiful voices come and share amazing stories. So I uh, that's one of my favorite rooms, honestly. And and to the point where I was, I, I thought I missed it. <laughs> no, I no. really thought I missed it. I was like, I get so many clubhouse notifications, but that's the one I always look for. And I'm just like, okay, oh, I didn't miss it. Yay. Well, Michael, it has been extremely awesome to have you on the show. Lots of laughs. So many, I don't know how I'm going to pick anything to like just give people a sneak peek of this episode because you've said so many great things and truly thank you for what you were doing in the community especially for men especially for black men in general like your contribution to this world really matters and i need you to know that it is amazing to see our generation just making so many waves in this atmosphere because should be weird and we just need to know we've got people that can keep us grounded so thank you so much for your time your energy and your perspective it's truly appreciated taylor thank you so much for having me on as a guest thank you for bridging the gap between diabetics you know what i mean this is big your platform is amazing we got to get shown glucose gang live of course (laughs) of course and thank you so much for having me on and like i said i can't wait to see what what you end up doing with this this is going to be interesting we get to see gonna be a wild ass ride that's for sure yeah that's that's for sure (laughs) i'll make sure i have a drink when i watch this episode i tell you that absolutely make sure it's whiskey because it's only (laughs) or tequila those are my two favorites either of those will be fine (laughs) well guys we will catch you next time remember every tuesday and thursday you can tune in to listen to me and me and a friend thank you guys for your time yo i think that's the most that I've laughed in an episode so far. Always great talking to Mike, such great energy, such truthful things. There's so many good points within the episode, especially as we really deep dive into mental health and just working on ourselves as a whole, regardless of diagnosis and the beauty that is now making mental health way more prominent in the spaces where we need it to be. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Be sure to check out Mike. He does shows every Monday on Clubhouse, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then every Thursday, he does a live at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And definitely as someone who has not only joined the Clubhouse rooms, but also been a part of the lives, at least the audience, I think you'll really enjoy what he has to offer. He ensures that he brings all types of perspectives. They keep it real. And it's been an amazing, amazing journey getting to not only watch from the sidelines, but to get to interact with him as well. So be sure you follow him on Instagram. Be sure you follow him on Clubhouse and keep eyes out. He's got a lot of amazing things coming and I can't wait to get my shirt. Did you see that shirt? See the glucose game like shirt? I, I'm, I'm ready for a shirt. Anyways, 
Thank you guys so much for your time, for your energy, and for all of the support that you give, not only to myself, but all of the guests who are devoting their time to spread the message of realizing that diabetes doesn't have to be the end of the world. We all thrive in our own ways. 